This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by Evan Grant, who's back uh, after being carved up. Hello, Evan. How are you? Like a Sunday turkey. Like a Sunday turkey. Yeah. Evan, do you want to just briefly tell everybody what you had done to yourself? I had my belly poked full of holes, <laughs> and then they went in there and... They removed some uh, some crazy old stuff. Um, it's a uh, it's long overdue surgery for for a uh, for a Crohn's disease related problem, and um, just happy to get it done. Evan, we're happy you got it done. We're happy you're back. Um, David Moore is not with us today. He's he's busy. He's too busy for us. He's too big for us. He's working on Super Bowl stuff interviews and stuff um so anyway uh we'll we'll miss david this week uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh that old super bowl that's coming up this sunday um and that's going to have your chiefs and your bucks in it uh evan do you have a score for the for the chiefs and bucks um i believe that the chiefs are going to win Kevin, <laughs> do you really? And you don't I, believe it in the Tom Brady magic? You you don't think you think it's, his magic has run out? I'll tell you what, it's not the Tom Brady magic right now that's um that has me impressed as much with uh, Tampa Bay as it is with how opportunistic their defense is. Um, I, I I've been really impressed by what I've seen on that side of the ball. Uh, I, I just listen. I I don't like to give you credit often. Um, but <laughs> four years ago, you said when we first started this podcast that you thought Patrick Mahomes had the ability to be the best quarterback in the NFL, and he has borne you out to be 100% right. And I, I just, I, I don't think there's anything that can, can really stop him. So, uh, I figure that the, uh, that the chiefs will win this thing, uh, 31 to 28 all right i had i think i have a chiefs at 35 31 uh and i i am billing this as the greatest ever against the greatest eventually um that is uh to me patrick mahomes that you know barring injury uh, there's always things that can go wrong you know you, you, when a guy has been as good as tom brady has been for as long as tom brady has been uh then it's it's it seems almost comical to be comparing uh, a guy who's 25 years old with that. Uh, right. But uh, if you look at the track that he's on already, that Patrick Mahomes is on already, uh, he is he is on a track uh, at this point to do 
just as much as Brady did at the, at the same level. And, uh, and in many ways, um, uh, I do think, you know, what Brady did, he won a couple of Super Bowls and there was a drought there for a while. And then he won uh, uh, a couple more, uh, two or three more with uh, the Patriots. Uh, I don't see, I don't know if I see a drought coming for the Chiefs. You know, they're pretty good. Uh, you know, you can always break these teams up and things can go wrong. Uh, I, I remember when the cow, I felt like the Cowboys offense in the early 90s when they were going to the Super Bowl. This sounds so crazy to say it started to fall apart when Jay Novacek was no longer the tight end. That was such a great machine. And, and Novacek was such a great safety valve for Troy Aikman. And then you took out that one little piece of this great machine and things started to, to falter a little bit. But and I, then, still wanna, I, I still want to go back to, to, to this question. I just, I, I really thought it's uh, about as good evaluate an evaluation as, as I've seen from anybody, but before this guy had played an NFL down, uh, you were caught, you were saying he had the ability to be, be the best quarterback in the league. And I mean, it's, it's, it's been right on the mark. And I, again, I'm just curious what it was for you that made him such a great quarterback to be. Well, that's nice of you to say that. I don't know that I would just, you know, what I looked at was the, uh, first of all, just the arm talent, you know, it was unbelievable. You know, the, the way he could throw the ball from any angle, any, any way he wanted. Uh, I, I think uh, some of it was, I, I saw that at Texas Tech, they had zero defense, the worst defense in football. And, and they were, he was having to put up 50 points a game and he was doing that. And they don't have a lot of talent there you know not spectacular kind of talent anyway uh and so he was doing marvelous things with all that and then you know uh what uh, what i remember at the time uh, talking to people about him was how smart he was i remember talking to uh, uh john scoville uh who is a uh a friend of our family and he's a uh, a giant here in Dallas and, and, uh, his family, his boys all went to Hillcrest and our kids followed suit in that. And so we became close because of the family ties there. And, and John, uh, you know, grew up in Dallas as the son of field Scoville, Mr. Cotton bowl. And, and, uh, John went to Hillcrest and then he went to Texas tech. And so, and played quarterback there and as did one of his boys. And, and, uh, and anyway, uh, John knows football and he's a very smart guy. And, uh, he just told me one time that, uh, he had gotten to know Patrick pretty well. And he said, you just wouldn't believe how smart he is. He, he said, you know, how, how he picks up on things and, uh, and digests things. And, uh, I thought, well, you, you're putting something together here where a guy's a really good overall athlete. Um, I think that guys who can play multiple sports, um, have more confidence. It seems like to me, uh, you think, I think of Tony Romo in that way, uh, who was a multi-sport star growing up and they just have a kind of a preternatural, uh, confidence. And when you have that with smarts and arm talent, uh, well, that's, that's a great combination. And then you put on top of all of that, that I, I respect Cliff Kingsbury more than anybody else in football at any level at recognizing a quarterback that this guy is a quarterback. If he tells me this guy's a quarterback, this guy's a quarterback. I mean, this guy believed in Kyler Murray when he, I mean, people, I, I didn't believe in Kyler Murray going into the NFL and, and he, that, that's what he, that's who he wanted. And he got 
got him, and look what's happened with him since then. Uh, I, I just if 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 Cliff Kingsbury says that this kid is a great quarterback, this kid is a great quarterback. So all of those things put together made me believe that the, in the possibilities of uh, of what Patrick Mahomes could do. And now now he goes to uh, the perfect situation too in Kansas City with Andy Reid as his coach. This is a guy who uh, is really a good offensive coach, a really good you know he 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 puts together a great. Uh, atmosphere, you know, for his, his team to succeed in, I think, you know, and he, he did that in Philadelphia and kind of wore out after a while, but now he's done it again in Kansas city. Uh, I do think he's probably going to end up going down as one of the all-time great coaches. So it's just a perfect storm of events for Patrick Mahomes to be this successful. And he's certainly lived up to it. All right. Well, I, I will, um, I'll take my $20 for, um, uh, tossing you that so you can yeah setting that, that up that softball for me yeah I appreciate that well let's uh uh so let's let's look at this situation so we, we both think the Chiefs are going to win I, and I think you're right about the the Tampa Bay's defense it's not just it's not just Tom Brady I mean he he certainly put that team over the top but they they do have an excellent defense I think that's their 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 biggest chance is not what Brady does their biggest chance is what this defense does against Mahomes. Uh, the unfortunate thing for uh, the Bucks is, is that Tyreek Hill is in some ways unstoppable, uh, I think. Uh, and, and then uh, when you throw in Kelsey and what he can do as a tight end, you know, they just have so many weapons on offense. Uh, it's just difficult to keep up with that. And, you know, and in some ways, that's the model the Cowboys have tried to uh, come up with that, you know, that you're not. You, you know, teams don't win with defense anymore. Even even Nick Saban says that you you cannot just win with defense anymore. You have to have a semblance of it. You have to be able to stop the run, which is what the Cowboys can't do. Uh, but the idea is that you have to outscore people, and uh, well, and certainly you have to outscore people, and you have to win. You have to win turnover battles, and I, you know that's one thing. The Cowboys did a better job of that this year particularly late, but teams that create turnovers, to me, that's the, that's the difference because then you're giving your offense an extra opportunity. Well, no question about that. I, I you know, the thing about, for me about turnovers is that, that, that they're just so fluky, you know, how, you know how that is. Like in, I was watching a replay the other day of the Cowboys in the Super Bowl against the Steelers, and Larry Brown was the MVP. And, and you know, Larry Brown's the MVP because he's having footballs thrown right into his stomach. You know, he's just standing there, and the ball just go, comes flying right to him. Uh, you know, and that's even the same thing a little bit with sacks. You know, we 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 consider sacks so important for defensive ends, and why isn't Demarcus Lawrence getting a lot of sacks? Well, yes, they are good, uh, but they're all, they are also very fluky. Sometimes a guy just doesn't block you. You just fly right past everybody, and you end up with a sack. That, you know, and, is that something the, you did? Two of the interceptions Breeze threw against Tampa Bay in the, in the divisional round were very, very fluky. I mean, it, it is a fluky thing, but I do think that there are teams that, that can create turnovers in general a little bit better, and when you do that – you create more opportunities for an offense that that a gives them a chance to score and b gives them a chance to continue to wear down another defense it's it's just such a it's just such a game changing event that teams that that 
have that magic in that year, you know, they're, they are somewhat unpredictable. Well, there's no question about that. <clears throat> you know, I think the, the, the best, the, the best cowboy of recent vintage at creating turnovers to me, uh, was Sean Lee. Uh, I, I felt like it's Sean Lee in his prime when he wasn't getting hurt. Was so good at diagnosing plays that uh, that he would often be in the right place at the right time. The Cowboys just haven't had that kind of, of player since uh, since then, uh, and they really need that at safety. That's one of the things that uh, I think that that they really need to address in this draft coming up. You know, there's been a lot of speculation about what they'll do in the first round. Um, you know, should they if a, if one of those tackles falls to them, you know, that's uh, Penny Sewell is not going to fall to them. Who's uh, from Oregon? I just don't see that happening at 10. There's been a lot of talk about Rashawn Slater, who's from Northwestern, uh, another player who played multiple positions in the offensive line that perhaps he would be available at 10. You know, I'm sure that would be a good pick. That's certainly justifiable considering the uh, the age and the health history of Tyron Smith and that the fact that Lyle Collins was we missed so many games last year. Uh, I I just really feel like that this team needs to to invest in defense. And I think if one of those cornerbacks is available with the tenth pick, they really need to make that pick. Uh, uh, either uh, Patrick Sertain from Alabama or Caleb Farley from uh, Virginia Tech. And then uh, in the second and third round, um, you know, Marvin Wilson, the Florida State defensive tackle, is a guy who's kind of slipped down some some boards, didn't have a good uh, week at the Senior Bowl. Uh, still a very good run stopper, though. I really believe that's – to me, that's the biggest issue with the Cowboys. Defensive line and then the interior defensive line that can stop the run – keep the offensive line off of these linebackers and give them the ability to make plays. Uh, those are the things that need to be fixed because uh, as, uh, as we were noting before the podcast, we had talked about the, how ESPN had, had done some polls and talked about organizations that were close to Super Bowls. And, and one of these, uh, one of the teams that they said they felt like was within two years of, being Super Bowl contention again was the Cowboys, and I know that right now we don't we don't feel like that, uh, considering how bad the defense looked this year and how bad they looked for most of this season. Uh, but you know, uh, it it revolves around a couple of issues. One, can they get this defense fixed? Um, at least be a uh, I mean, frankly, as good as it was under Rod Marinelli. If it could at least be that good, that might be good enough. But it doesn't matter if they don't bring back uh, the quarterback, Dak Prescott. And uh, the question at this point is, can they really afford to tag him again? Because if they do that, we've seen what happens is that that uh, people who get tagged twice don't come back. Uh, they move on after that. Also, the 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 problem that would put the team in is if, he, if he's tagged again, it would cost them $37 million. You can't amortize that. Over uh, several years, you can't fudge with it like you do if you sign him to a long-term deal, uh, and that's $37 million off the cap right to start in a year when the cap is probably going to come down from when it was last year and probably will be in the neighborhood of $175 million. So those create real issues. Uh, so, Evan, let me ask you this. Do the Cowboys need to re-sign Dak Prescott? Do they need to get in the market for another quarterback? What do you think? It's a good question, man. Um, I, I, I'm torn. I, I, I don't 
Do you think that Dak Prescott can take the Cowboys to a Super Bowl? I do. I do think he can take the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. Um, I think if if he stays, yeah, if he stays healthy, if he had stayed healthy this year, the number of weapons that he was going to have would have been significant. Um, this team obviously would have would have looked a lot different. Um, I feel like Dak has not been the issue. The running game has been the issue. Um, and I feel like they made a poor investment there. Now, how Zeke Elliott's contract. Yeah. Now, how that impacts what they do with Zach going forward, I, I, with Dak, I, I don't know. I do know this. I do know this that across the street from from where the Cowboys play. You know, a big reason why the Rangers wouldn't consider maybe going in on Joey Gallo and doing an extension for him right now is because their track record of giving away long term contracts has been dismal. Uh, over the last decade. And I think that's something the Cowboys have to consider is what's their history here. I, I think you're right. And I, the, the interesting thing to me about it is that uh, uh, Jerry has always rewarded his stars. If you go back to the early 90s and those teams and when they started to fall apart, and, and of course, Jerry was one of the big movers behind having a salary cap in the first place. He was one of the, the guys who really pushed that idea, uh, which to me, I think was I, I know he wanted to save money, but that was, it was crazy. If that had been Mark Cuban on the Cowboys, that never would have happened, you know, uh, because Mark Cuban, that's the difference between the two of them. He doesn't care how much money he spends. He just wants to win. Um, uh, at any rate, uh, he, you know, uh, Jerry was given big contracts to, you know, Moose Johnston, you know, a fullback. Why, why would you give big money to a fullback? You know, it's beyond me, but, but he was a star here in town. And so Jerry rewarded him uh, as such. And that, and that was the issue back then was that he wanted to always reward his stars. Well, now, you know, he, he did that with Amari Cooper, who has a $22 million contract coming through this, uh, this season. Uh, and he's got Zeke Kelly who's making $15 million this season. Uh, Jalen Smith is getting, I believe around 10 or $11 million this season. Uh, he gave those contracts to the uh, specific, well, all three of them before he gave one to his quarterback. That's, that's backwards thinking. You know, I know that Jerry's thinking like, well, I'm taking care of these other issues. These guys don't make as much money as, as Dak Prescott is, but that's, but that's the way it is on every team. You, every organization, if you've got a good quarterback, eventually you're going to have to pay you know, that's just, that's just the way it is, you know, and the, and, and he had Dak on the cheap for four years, uh, best deal in football. Uh, and, and finally he's going to have to pay the price for that. And he did this year, $31 million under the, under the tag. Uh, you know, there's, there's no question in my mind that Jerry wants Dak to be his quarterback. There's no question in my mind about that. Uh, I think that he, he believes in Dak. He, he believes in what he is. He likes Dak for any number of reasons. Some of them just be it the marketing aspect. Look at the, how many commercials do you see with Dak Prescott in them? And how many do you see in any other quarterbacks? You know, not many Aaron Rodgers, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. That's about it. Uh, so he's got the marketability, uh, you know, that, that, that Jerry would like, of course, Jerry values those kind of things. Uh, and he, and he's got the star power, uh, and, and he's got the, 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 the love of his teammates, uh, the respect of them. That's what people in football like about Dak Prescott. That's what, you know, I've talked to Troy Aikman. I've talked to Roger Staubach. I've, you know, we, we've heard from Jimmy Johnson and, and what these people have said about Dak Prescott. 
He's got all the intangibles you want as a quarterback. And, the, and here's the best thing about Dak, in my mind. He wants to be great. This is a guy with a tremendous work ethic that, who is every year tried to get better. And he has. So in, the, in the last two years, before he got hurt this year, he got better each year. Uh, he's much better throwing the ball down the field than he used to be much better. He's worked on his mechanics. He's, and I, and I believe that he would continue to get better because he works so hard at it. Do you look at the quarterbacks from that 2016 draft? He is the only one left, the only quarterback left whose arrow is still pointing up. That one, of course, included Jared Goff, who's now with the lions and Carson Wentz. Who's, who may still be with the Eagles, we're not really sure. Uh, so I, I just really feel like that, uh, that Dak is good enough to take this team to a Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl. Uh, we, we've, seen quarter, uh, we've seen worse quarterbacks do that. Uh, no, I, I, I don't believe he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. No, I don't believe he's going to be Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. I, I don't think he has that kind of skill set to do those kind of things. But here's the thing when people say that kind of stuff. And I wrote this the other day. It's like saying if, if, if Leone Tavares becomes the greatest center fielder in Rangers history, I'm not going to hold it against him that he's not Willie Mays. I mean, Patrick Mahomes may end up being the greatest quarterback in the history of football. He, he may he may very well do that. So why are we comparing him? Why are we comparing Dak or anybody else with that? That's just ridiculous. We don't do that. We don't look at people in baseball and say. Well, gosh, he's not Mike Trout, you know. Well, who is Mike Trout? I mean, come on. That, that's a ridiculous thing to say. So, and, and I think it has too much to do, you know, with, with contracts. And, boy, how can you pay this guy this much? Why are people so bothered by about how much these guys make? Is it because of the salary cap? They, they always want to say, oh, because, because he's making so much money, now the Cowboys won't get these other good players. Well, let me tell you something. Aaron Rodgers is making a lot of money. All these teams, these quarterbacks are making a lot of money. Patrick Mahomes is making, is, is got a contract that's going to pay him a half billion dollars. Now, it's not all paid at once, but he's going to get a lot, awful lot of money. There are all kinds of ways you can massage the cap and make things work. And I am sure that when Dak Prescott gets a contract from Jerry, which I believe that he will, uh, against maybe all odds, I do believe he'll get that, that he will be able to work with the Cowboys and say, yeah, we'll, I'll slide this money back. We can, we can, we can move this back. We can do other things. They can get the kind of players they want. That's not the issue with the Cowboys. The issue with the Cowboys has always been you got to draft well. You got to be able to replace players. You got to know when to move on from certain players. And you got to know not to give a guy like Jalen Smith a contract like you gave him. You got to know not to give Zeke Elliott, a running back, $15 million a year. We, we've seen what those big contracts with running backs are worth. Those, those were the real problems with the Cowboys. Nobody had a problem with that when Zeke got that. Everybody was glad that Zeke Elliott got his deal uh, a year ahead of time, a year ahead of, of Dak. Or, well, and that's been several years ahead of Dak. Um, it went, in fact, running backs are the easiest thing to find in any draft. I can find, a run, I can find you a running back every year in the draft who's going to replace the guy that you had. Uh, I, don't know why any, I don't know why any running back basically ever gets a second contract. It's just, it's just not necessary. So, you know, there are a lot of things you can do to fix this, this team, and a lot of things need to be fixed. The, the, the first thing that needs to be fixed is they need to give Dak a contract, move on from that, let's stop the silliness, move on, and then, then you remove a lot of that element that has been 
so negative around the Cowboys all this time. And that's the thing that really has floored all the people who know Jerry Jones and all the people who have played for him, the Jimmy Johnson, you know, Troy Aikman, all those people. What they don't understand is that how have you let this situation linger like this? This has been such a negative and so unlike Jerry to be this way when he really likes somebody and really wants them. It, 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 lets be, it allows people to think, Maybe he doesn't really like him that much. Maybe he's just waiting. You know, I, I heard speculation about Matthew Stafford. Oh, maybe because Matthew's from Highland Park and Jerry lives in Highland Park and maybe he loves Matthew Stafford. Well, I, I'm not saying that Matthew couldn't be successful with the Cowboys. I think he'll be successful with the Rams. I think that Sean McVay's a smart guy and he'll put him in a position to win. But look, let's look at this. Look at the track records. Look at their QBR, you know. Uh, Matthew Stafford's best ones were the last couple of years, and every year except one, Dak Prescott's QBR has been better than Matthew Stafford's every year. You know, and not by a little bit, by much, as much as ten points better. You know, he's just been a much better quarterback than, than Matthew. As and and Matthew uh, was doing, as as Aaron Rodgers said, he was doing Patrick Mahomes things before Patrick Mahomes. You know, throwing the ball sidearm, doing all that kind of stuff. You know, Matthew can do all that. He can still wing it, you know, do a lot of things. But there are a lot of quarterbacks out there who throw really pretty balls who just aren't great quarterbacks. You know, they don't make great decisions at the line of scrimmage. They don't make a lot of pre-snap decisions. They don't, they don't protect the football. Um, those were the issues with a guy like with Tony Romo. Sometimes believed in himself a little too much, tried to force things, make things happen. And those were ultimately his his failure as a quarterback for the Cowboys. Um you know, that was one of the one of the things about, you know, and, and I've, I've told this story before, too, when when Dak was a was a rookie quarterback and uh, he went into to play because Tony got hurt when Tony was ready to come back again. The Cowboys were on a big winning streak. And uh, it, but usually, you know, you go back to the starting quarterback, right? This is the guy you paying all the money. This is a rookie who's playing in his place. He's playing really well. But come on, it's the. You got to go back with the with the starter, right? Well, the Cowboys decided, no, we're not going to. The kid's really playing well, and we, and we really like him. And here was the thing about all of that. There was not one peep from any player about that. You know, not one peep. Not, not No one said, hey, we got to go back with Tony. This isn't right. You know, Tony's our quarterback. They all believed in Dak. They all believed in that rookie quarterback more than they did in Tony Romo. And that that should have told everybody a lot about him that season. Uh, and it's not just the, you know, it's not the physical characteristics so much as it is the leadership, the intangibles. Those things are really important in a quarterback. And that's the way this team feels about it. So uh, anyway, those are those are the reasons why I think the Cowboys, I, I do think the Cowboys can be uh, contenders for a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, next year, year after, we, we see turnarounds like this all the time. Uh, the Cowboys did it themselves. They were 4-12 and 12 one year, and they were 13-3 and three the next. You know, the, these things do happen, uh, especially you, you get an easier schedule the next year because of it. You, you've added really good players from the draft because you had high draft picks. You know, hopefully, if you do well in that kind of thing. And in the Cowboys' case, one of the reasons they were so bad is because their quarterback missed, you know, 11 games. So uh, th these are the – these are the issues that the Cowboys can fix. Now, I'm not going to predict them to do it because I'm, I'm sick of, uh, of over-predicting on the Cowboys. Uh, but I, I do think that they are capable of that kind of recovery. So we'll see what they do. Now, Evan, I wanted to talk a little bit about baseball. Um, we 
uh, uh, and we'll just mention this. Uh, uh, Jeff Passan has written a story about uh, Drew Robinson, a uh, former Rangers draft pick and outfielder who uh, has a very compelling story to tell. Uh, I suggest you check it out. Uh, it's on our Dallas News website as well. We've linked to it. Uh, it's a tremendous story about uh, uh, attempted suicide. The, the, the amazing story of, of that, the fact that he didn't die. Uh, for what what he did to himself, and uh, and just the uh, the story that everybody needs to hear about uh, communication, opening up to people, um, and not holding things in. Uh, you know, I've been my whole life uh, believing that, believing that we need to to talk to each other and, and and love each other and tell each other how we feel. Why do we hold these things in? It's just a it's an amazing thing to me that. Uh, the, the whole idea of stoicism and, and how we, you know, we, you need to hold on to those feelings too much. Uh, you need to hold on to those feelings. Don't, don't say these things out loud. I don't get it. Uh, so at any rate, it's a, it's a great story. You should check it out. Um, you know, my, my dealings with Drew were very cursory. Uh, I don't have a lot of recollection. He just seemed like a good guy. Uh, I know, Evan, you, you feel the same way. You, you obviously dealt with him a lot more than I did. Uh, I heard from Rick Renner. Uh, of course, who work uh, with Fox Sports Southwest or does work with Fox Sports Southwest and talked to me about how that uh, Drew just seemed like a happy-go-lucky kid. Every time he dealt with him, he was always super, never had any problems with him at all. Never would have guessed that he had some of these things working uh, down deep inside. Uh, well, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, this was a guy that he really – struggled up here um to make contact and you could you could tell that that kind of stuff that that lack of success was really weighing on him um but i had i had no idea that it went that the uh that the issues went as deep as they did and i don't know that anybody could tell that kind of stuff you know listen it's a it's a tough sport <laughs> you know, baseball and, and, uh, to try to make it. And, and, uh, it just sets itself up for failure. You know, that's the old joke. It's like, how many other sports, uh, are there where, you know, uh, you're successful, you know, one out of three times, uh, and you're considered a star, you know? Uh, so it's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, there are lots of, I'm sure there are lots of stories that are similar to it. And, and, uh, um, I'm just glad in this particular story, it turned out to be a happy ending. Uh, and he is, and Drew is trying to help other people who might be struggling with the same thing. So kudos to him for that. Uh, and as I said, I, I suggest we check it out. So Evan, uh, what's the latest on baseball? We understand now that that spring training does have a, a kickoff date and it's going to start as uh, scheduled on February the 17th. Is that correct? Correct. Spring training. So Evan, are, are you going to spring training? Uh, I assume so. <laughs> assume so. I like that. That's great. Uh, and all the Rangers are going to be there too. The Rangers will be there too. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I think that it's, it's too bad that MLB and the players association couldn't have, <coughs> couldn't have come to some kind of, um, agreement about maybe pushing the, the start of the season back a couple of weeks to allow for, for more of the, the vaccine to roll out and for, hospitalizations all around the country to kind of 
start taking a more um, precipitous drop, but this is where we are. Uh, we're we're going to see spring training start. Um, who knows if you have an outbreak in a camp, if you're going to have to shutter that camp for a couple of days, who knows what kind of impacts any of this stuff will have. But because baseball tried to tie a bunch of economic um, initiatives into negotiations about when the season would, would start, it didn't leave the Players Association much, much choice but to reject the proposal that MLB made. Uh, there was no counter proposal. And so here we are two weeks away from the start of spring training as if everything's fine. Yeah, it's just crazy to me. I, you know, uh, I was reading about uh, some of this uh, negotiation process, and players are complaining and saying, "Well, you know, uh, NBA, NHL's playing, NFL's playing." It's like, well, first of all, NFL plays once a week. You know, NBA cut its uh, schedule to to sixty two games. Uh, NHL's cut it, uh, thirty games off of its schedule. Uh, so you're not agreeing to do anything different. You want to, you want to play 162 games, you know, uh, and, and I'm with you. Why? And obviously this is all about money. They want to get paid for a 162 game season. That's the issue here with the baseball players. Uh, and I, and I think, uh, I, I have to say too, I, I don't doubt that a lot. Kevin, let's, let's be clear. It's, it's not, I, I think, I think at the end of the game, these all become financial arguments, but I think they're financial arguments because of the complete and total mistrust uh, that the players have for the ownership side. And at almost every opportunity to negotiate, it seems like ownership tries to um, weaponize some kind of good faith, you know, negotiation. Uh, and because of that, you're going to continue to have this this cycle of, of players mistrusting the owners. And while this may be the right idea for fans, um, for the game, for everybody, we're not going there because it's it's the wrong idea for um, from the financial element. Yeah, uh, you know that that's always been the issue, of course, in all these negotiations. Uh, uh, and and the and the players, uh, no matter the sport, are always cast as the bad guys. It's why you know you're making a lot of money. Why don't you just take this deal and go? And 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 why why the public always ends up siding with owners, the the one percenters? Uh, I don't I don't get because uh, the, the owners are making a lot more money than the players are, uh, but. That's just the way that these things usually uh, run with their, their uh, in the course of events. Um, Evan, how much uh, how much different will it be this year? Uh, we didn't even really talk about the schedule. The fact that uh, because they're playing indoors now, they're going to be playing uh, getaway days. Uh, they'll be playing, you know, afternoon games instead of night games. Uh, they can play double headers now uh, out there, which would not be so uh problematic uh as they were in the old ballpark because it's so hot um there how much do you think that this is going to change um well how much does it just change everything the fact that the that the that the rangers are now playing indoors listen i think the, the only thing that really that changes that really matters is that you've now got a park 
where the heat is simply not overbearing. Um, it's not going to draw you more players. It's not going to draw you more talent. Money's still going to be the deciding factor there, but it's not going to push guys away from you saying, look, here's 10 places I want to play. I don't want to go to Arlington. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it'll shed a, a, a more attractive light there. From a scheduling standpoint, I think you'll, in most cases, you may be able to uh, eliminate with trade outs of getaway day games, you may be able to, to eliminate most of the possibilities where a team would play a getaway game for the Rangers in their park as a night game. So the Rangers would be coming home from the West Coast and get in at 4 or 5 a.m. Those are killers. Uh, the one exception there is, is the Angels, who haven't shown much willingness to do that in the past. But if you're, if you're able to do it in Seattle, if you're able to do it from Oakland, if you're able to do it um, in those situations, I think that uh, it, it just makes your schedule a little bit more manageable. Um, from a fan perspective, you know, I, I, if the ballpark was in downtown Dallas and you were playing businessman specials during the week, Maybe you draw a bigger crowd. I don't know that you're going to draw big crowds because you're playing day games um, on getaway games. Um, I think you will. I think you'll get more fans that will come out for a, on a Sunday afternoon instead of playing at, 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 at playing at one o'clock instead of playing at uh, um, seven o'clock. Yeah, I think you do. I think you. You know, I heard from too many fans. I mean, that was one of the reasons Tom Hicks built the ballpark out in Frisco was to service all those fans who were driving, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to get from, you know, Plano, uh, before the, of course it's before the tollway to get out to Arlington for games. Uh, I do think that, that, that it will help attendance. Uh, I, I do think that, uh, in, the, in July and August when it's just so hot and it's just miserable to sit out there, I do think that will help, uh, then, uh, I, I, I think we we already saw the way the ballpark plays. It has had an impact on uh, the psyche of some of these players. I think it's probably going to help the pitchers a little bit. Uh, I think that uh, guys like Joey Gallo have got to figure out uh, what's going to, you know, how they can play in this ballpark. I, the, I think it's, it was just mind-blowing to me that, that Joey Gallo, of all people, was affected by this ballpark. Uh, the one guy in the MLB who didn't need to worry about how hard he had to hit a ball to get it out is Joey Gallo. Uh, but at any rate, uh, it did. So I, I think that, uh, uh, my, my first year experience to it was, I was, I was very pleased with it. You know, it, it's silly looking on the outside. I don't know why they didn't make it look better from the outside. Once you're inside of it, it's a good looking ballpark. Uh, I think it's, it's a very comfortable one. The sight lines are good. Uh, I don't, I don't care for the garage door in center field, but other than that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice ballpark. It's going to be, it be very comfortable to be in, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was good for the rodeo. I enjoyed it out there for that. Uh, that was fun. So I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be just fine. People need to stop worrying about it. Well, and I, I mean, I, again, I, you're going to see more and more people, more and more teams go to more, uh, event driven, um, use of their stadiums to to maximize revenues and the rangers have a really good start there you know from the rodeo to the baseball classic that they'll play in the middle of february 
with the um, two Mississippi schools, Arkansas, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, and UT. Uh, and that should be an annual affair. And it should also, I'm not going to say it should help the Rangers in terms of scouting, but I think it's good to geek, see those players in your park under your conditions um, and maybe get to know them a little bit in your park. That can't hurt. Um, you're going to have one event after another there. The one thing that I think is a little bit disappointing is you look around right now. I, nobody would have planned for this when the stadium was going up, but you look around right now and you see Fenway Park being used as a vaccination hub. You see Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta being used as a vaccination hub. Uh, you saw a Dodger Stadium being used as a vaccination hub. The Rangers don't have a whole lot of ability to get involved in in those civic um, projects because they're so, they're going to be so booked up with events from from one day to the next, and that that's a that's a shame. But it is what it is. Yes, it is. All right. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, we've got things to do, places to go, people to see. Uh, Evan, I hope you're taking care of yourself. And that Gina's taking care of you. Uh, you're going to feel better. Get get back up back to your old self, get you out there so we can eat some barbecue, some Tex-Mex. I, I promised Evan that I was going to take him out to eat, and I was even going to pay for it. That's um, that's mighty nice of you. I, uh, I'm looking forward to be able to eating food uh, that isn't on a quote-unquote soft, bland diet against <laughs> Mr. Tapioca. Boy, kids today don't even know what tapioca is be another plate of mashed potatoes tonight oh man man oh man well we'll you're gonna that's right you're gonna come out the other end of this it's be good so uh that's it's all gonna be great evan uh and uh here's just a i want to give a shout out uh, to my new granddaughter harper elizabeth uh seven pounds six ounces i don't remember if we talked about her last week did we yeah i think we did did we? Okay. Well, just, here's another one. She's she's a little bit bigger than that now, so we're glad. I'm going to give a weekly update on Harper and what, how she's doing. Uh, for I, think, all those. I think we should have a, a regular Harper uh, segment. <laughs> a regular Harper segment. She would be probably about as informative uh, as we are. But anyway. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, everybody enjoy it out there. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, that ought to be fun to watch that. The greatest ever against the greatest eventually. Uh, so from uh, everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye.